Joe Bell, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to sharding sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here, on another uh, fantastic, fruity sort of Friday for Torch Report 471 for uh, a full-spectrum analysis of the bigger picture. Today is Friday the 13th. It is the day of rage. And I want to talk about what's really going on in the world today. You know, the, uh, the the radical Islamic terrorists are calling for an international day of rage, right? They're, they're calling this day of rage to support the radical Islamic terrorists who recently murdered more than a thousand Jews and raped their women and beheaded their children. And, you know, right here at home, of course, we've got our very own brainwashed American college students already protesting and, and standing in solidarity with these baby beheading jihadis. Uh, you know, the leftist media, of course, they've got their backs. And, and of course, you know, we've got our very own elected politicians in Congress spouting off in defense of these radical Islamic terrorists, a.k.a. the Palestinians run by Hamas. Now, Get this, friends. Uh, (laughs) There are more Democrats than ever before who support the Palestinian cause. Now, why might that be, you know? Uh, Why? Young Americans are swinging toward the Palestinians' cause. Why might that be? Why pro-Palestinian support is growing amidst the Israeli conflict? I put those reports in there, those links in the report today, friends, just to show you what's out there. It's, you know, uh, it's, it's, it seems so unimaginably evil. It's all so damn backwards, you know? You gotta be kidding me. They just beheaded a bunch of babies. They're raping and pillaging. And why are more Democrats than ever before supporting the Palestinian cause? Why are young Americans swinging toward the Palestinian cause? You know, why is this Palestinian, pro-Palestinian support of baby-killing jihadis growing in the midst of this conflict? I, for one, would like to know. And I was digging in, and I don't have a really good answer for you, except for there are a bunch of commies who have been brainwashed. We'll be getting into that here in a minute. But uh, there are really three things that have stood out to me this week. Uh, as all of this insanity has been unfolding, as I've been trying not to talk about it, you know, I, I want to kind of... I've been hammering, railing against the narrative all week, you know, because everyone's attention has been drawn away from the fact that our own nation is under attack from enemies, both foreign and domestic. And, but as I, you know, the news is out there and there's three things about this whole Israel-Palestinian thing that have stood out to me. The first is that the, the fact that the United Nations supports the Palestinians, okay, the, the, the UN is referring to all of this as as terror, you know, against Gaza. It's it's the Gaza emergency. It's this terror, of, you know, of this occupied territory and all this. The, the and as I was looking into this, and I put some links into the UN website about the Gaza emergency, so their anti-Israeli, anti-Semite stance on it all. Uh, the UN come to find out they've actually been educating the Palestinian Jews for quite some time now. And they've been educating the Palestinian children to hate... I'm sorry, I said that wrong. They've been educating the Palestinian children to hate Jews. And they've been educating them to hate Jews, to go to war with Jews, to stab Jews and run them over with their cars repeatedly when they get old enough to get a car. Uh, That's all 
uh, there for the world to see and to understand just how depraved this brainwashing of the youth actually is. Friends, I put a link to a video. It's on uh, it's on the X platform, so you have to see it for yourself. I'm not sure if you if you're not on that platform, if you can see it or not. But it, it what it says the kids are saying is the series of kids and they're Palestinian kids that have been receiving a UN education in. Uh, in Gaza. Anyway, and, and right now these kids are saying, you know, right now I'm prepared to be a suicide bomber. They're saying, with Allah's help, I will fight for ISIS, the Islamic State. They're saying, I will, I'm ready to stab a Jew and drive a car over them. So many kids were saying the same thing. I'm ready to stab a Jew and drive a car over them. Another kid says, yeah, I'll stab a Jew and drive a car over them, you know. Uh, other kids say, we have to constantly stab them and drive over them and shoot them. You know, stabbing and running over Jews brings dignity to the Palestinians, says these indoctrinated youth. You know, so how's that for sowing some twisted seeds of hate? You know, uh, and of course, you know, the fact that Elon Musk is allowing these videos to be out on the, you know, on the X platform, showing these youth indoctrination, that's uh, right now the authoritarian regulators over in Europe, they're, you know, bringing down the house on it, threatening him and all this kind of stuff. And he says, you know, they say, you can't have this disinformation out there. He says, show me what's disinformation. Show me what's disinformation. This is actual information, whether you like it or not, it exists. And so anyway, I, for one, I'm grateful uh, that Musk is making that stand and allowing this information to get out there. I wasn't able to find a similar video on other platforms uh, via the algorithmic social interventions and government censorship. We're not supposed to see that information. So I want to circle back to the indoctrinated children and the internet censorship in a bit. Uh, but the second thing of the three things that caught my attention this week is the fact that the Israeli-Palestine conflict is dividing nations all around the world. It's not just here in the United States where we've got this pro-Palestinian support, the youth and the lefties, they, they, they want to stand in solidarity with these baby-killing Palestinians. You know, uh, all around the world, especially in Africa, you know, nations are very divided by this conflict. And of course, you know, China is out there. They're trying to capitalize on the conflict. The commies are taking the side of the Palestinians, as should be expected. But, you know, one question I saw is that, you know, I saw this article out there and there's these, all these lefties over in Australia. You know, why are the lefty trade unions in Australia standing in solidarity with these Palestinian terrorists? I'm like, what the hell, you know? Why are, you know, union activists in Australia standing in solidarity with baby beheading Palestinian terrorists? I don't know. So I clicked and I read their statement of solidarity and I put a little excerpt in the report for you today, uh, the, the statement of solidarity from the unions in Australia. They say, quote, as trade unionists in Australia, we believe in peace. A central fissure in global conflict is in the division and occupation of Palestine. Pause. As in, you know, Israel is illegitimate and doesn't deserve to be there. Okay. And then continuing on, they say, until this issue is peacefully solved, indigenous peoples around the world, Arabs, Muslims, and all those suffering under imperialism will identify with the Palestinian struggle. Israel and its USA backers thus provoke conflicts around the globe and within the Australian community, period, end quote. It's just dripping with Marxist propaganda. So in these people's twisted minds... The United States 
uh, and Israel. This are, these are the union activists in Australia, mind you. In their minds, the United States and Israel are provoking conflict across the globe and within the Australian community, essentially because Americans and Israelis are imperialistic capitalist pigs. That's why, you know, as in because we're not socialist commie hacks, you know, we are provoking conflict all around the world. And I think when I read that, I was like, you know what, that kind of helps explain why the UN and China are on the side of these indigenous terrorists. You know what I mean? They're all a bunch of freaking commies. So now there's something else I want to point out here just real quick about that statement about the indigenous peoples all around the world. Uh, this is a staple in the globalist dialect. And you think about, uh, you know, the dialectical process uh, this is how they do it. They change the language. And so the, this term indigenous peoples, it's increasingly infiltrating our local communities, our local policies, local newspapers, local public opinion. And the opposite of indigenous is illegal imperialistic occupation of these so-called communities, right? Communism, communities, it's communal. It's, it's, it's the we that they're hijacking here. And the only solution, of course, to the illegal imperialistic occupation occupation of indigenous lands, it, the only solution is to organize opposition. Think unions, okay? And they organize the opposition for the purpose of political leverage. Friends, this is textbook communism. And this is how they infiltrate a quote-unquote community, how they infect the indigenous mind with the idea that they are victims of evil capitalist pigs and how they position, you know, they position stronger government regulation, centralized control as the only viable solution. And of course, if, uh, you know, if the indigenous folks don't get the government to give them more control or they, you know, the government can't get the indigenous people to give them more control, they can't leverage these useful idiots, then you know, the, the only other solution is for violence, right? If the government doesn't get what they want, if the government doesn't give them back their land or they can't because of the racist, extremist, capitalist pigs on the right side of the political spectrum, then that's a great injustice. It further victimizes the indigenous and, of course, fully justifies the violent revolt. Hence the day of rage. Now, that's how they spark the revolution, the communist revolution, right? They convince people they are victims. They justify violence. And then they orchestrate the circumstance that provokes the revolt. It works every damn time. Now, that said, the third thing that stood out to me, friends, was uh, out of all the things swirling around, something that just kind of stuck in my mind was how much reference there was to a prior Israeli-Palestinian conflict back in 2014. Uh, it's been, you know, sometimes it's referred to as the 2014 Gaza War, seven-week war over there. Now, I don't want to get into details again. I'm not a history buff here. But the reason it caught my attention is because of the dates involved. If you look through the 2014 Gaza War, the dates are so there, they very neatly align with the dates of several U.S. deep state shenanigans that were playing out over in the Ukraine at the exact same time. So, you know, for reference there, you might want to go check out the Ukraine special report, but the dates line up. And the 2014 events in Ukraine, they were kicked off by certain Western observations. Hmm, you know, but that those Western observations were made in 2012. 
Okay, now follow me here for just a second. This kind of gets into a little bit of a rabbit hole, but, uh, you know, Palestinian-Israeli conflict 2014, Gaza War 2014, Ukraine chaos 2014, uh, kicked off by Western observations in 2012. Now, that connected in my mind with the 2012 London Olympics. And I don't know if you've looked at the 2012 London Olympics or you recall watching the London Olympics, but the opening ceremony was chock full of very eerie symbolism that seemed to foreshadow the COVID pandemic. So much so that the globalist media has actually had to fact check the fact that the fact does in fact exist. And so I put a link, you know, a little screenshot here uh, of the fact check, the false claim that connects the 2012 Olympic ceremonies with COVID. You know, no, the opening ceremony of 2012 Olympics did not foreshadow COVID. You know, absolutely the photos of London Olympics do not show prior knowledge of the pandemic. No way. No, that's all been fact checked right out of existence. Now, where my head is at with all this, friends, as we get into this here, is I want you to think about how far back things have been orchestrated and how meticulous this orchestrated chaos has been, right up to and including the current conflict in Israel. But back to the 2012 Olympics, just in case you have not uh, looked into this before. I did put several uh, pictures here in the report today, friends. Hey, if you're listening on a podcast platform, please know you just have to go to thetorchreport.com. Check out thetorchreport.com. Torch Report 471, you'll see these spiffy pictures. And one only need to look at some of the footage as to see why people were connecting the dots on this one. So I put the first couple pictures in here of COVID-19, uh, official propaganda, right? The first one is kind of this blue-looking virus. The second one is the closer-up one where it's got red and gray and the virus and all of that. Now, you just look at that and then tune into the London Olympics, and you've got this aerial view, and you have this strange blue shape that looks an awful damn lot like the COVID virus. And then another segment of the eerie opening ceremony in the London 2012 London Olympics, and it was of the gray and red, gray and red with the circle around it. Okay, so anyway, friends, I mean, you look at that, and you can't help but see the similarities, right? And then there's this uh, this image here where it says, this is for everyone. And the next image is of a, a baby that looks like a baby's been mummified with just weird, sick, child sacrifice kind of stuff. And all of this, you know, all these medical experts there. And, and then the last one I put in there is this one that has this weird, creepy looking baby face right in the center of the, of the what appears to be the COVID uh, molecule there, whatever virus there, uh, all on display in the, in the London Olympics. It's a via NBC or what have you, but it says, gosh, G O S H. And I believe that's the, you know, it's whatever the government health Institute is, but it just says, gosh, and it's got this weird, creepy baby face. Okay. And so gosh, isn't it kind of creepy? How all of this stuff kind of foreshadows the pandemic, that they could have been actually orchestrating this for so long, okay? And I'm bringing it up because I want you to see it. And as I, as I was getting this into this this morning, and you know, here's the rabbit hole a little bit, I feel inclined to remind everyone that in 2011, one year before the Erie Olympic ceremony... The National Institutes of Health right here in the United States, they were conducting laboratory experiments that resulted in viruses with enhanced transmissibility in mammals, including humans. Now, when news of this NIH laboratory experiments that was enhancing virus transmissibility into humans, uh, 
That was the first, when the news got out, it was the first time on record that the government overtly attempted to suppress the research. Oh, no, 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 no. Why don't we report it on that one? Don't want to report on that one. And that caused a small uproar in the scientific community. That's 2011, okay? And then 2012, we get these creepy Olympic things. Now, by the time 2012 rolled around, these scientists had actually figured out how to weaponize monkeypox, Okay, I've reported on this stuff way back in the uh, Torch Report 127, okay? I got links here in the report, but uh, 2012, they had weaponized monkeypox so that it could retain infectivity in aerosols for more than 90 hours. They had weaponized monkeypox so that it could retain infectivity in aerosols for more than 90 hours. That was in early 2012, prior to the Olympic, uh, you know, shenanigans, the Olympic uh, foreshadowing there, if you will. Also, at that time, they were filing patents on the replication-competent live virus vaccines. I'll say it again, replication-competent, meaning they can replicate live virus vaccines for smallpox. For smallpox. Replication-competent live virus vaccines for smallpox which had actually officially been eradicated in the 1980s. So it's kind of, oh, geez, why was all this happening in 2012? Why all these weird, strange, creepy images and the 2012 uh, London Olympics? I don't know. Now, friends, all of this information was coming out uh, in 2012. That's about 10 years after the scientists had discovered how to create self-disseminating virally vectored vaccines. They do this. They create self-disseminating virally vectored vaccines by using modified viruses that could spread genetic modifications throughout an entire population. Just saying, just saying. Population control, okay? Much of the funding for all this research can be connected directly to Event 201, directly to Agenda 2030, as well as the hypothetical FunVax that was pitched as a way to immunize humanity against the religious fundamentalism that leads to jihad and holy wars. Can you see the circle closing here? Now, for the record, friends, all of this information, as crazy as it sounds, uh, is verifiable, completely verifiable through publicly available information on the government website. So I've compiled all this information, research, and prior reports in the, in the report today. At any rate, friends, the pattern of all of this, it fascinates me. And, you know, as does the, the overlapping timelines in, in Israel and Ukraine in 2014, it fascinates me. And now again, in 2023 and leading into 2024, all of this just fascinates me. It's so far beyond coincidence. You have to be kidding me. You know, and so I just want to share one more image here from the 2012 Olympics. Again, in the report today, uh, it, it, I just might play into all of this. You know, I share the image. What does it look like to you? You know, kind of looks like a spaceship landing. You look at that, you think, yep, that looks like a spaceship landing. Now, think about the recent whistleblower revelations, the recent congressional testimony about how the government has recovered non-human biologics from UFO crash sites. That's all out in the congressional record now. We got a spaceship landing in the 2020 Olympics along with COVID and all that stuff. You know, think about Project Bluebeam. Think about all of this stuff, friends, and then think back. Think back to Hamas and Israel, the unfolding holy war. All the talk about Armageddon and prophecy being fulfilled. Project Bluebeam was essentially a projection into the sky of the second coming and aliens and all this kind of stuff, okay? Uh, I don't have time to get into all of that right now, but 
if, as a matter of fact, friends, if you if you want to hear how all this connects together from the aliens to Armageddon, uh, particularly from a Christian perspective, I recommend checking out The Days of Deception, D-A-Z-E, The Days of Deception by Pastor Jack Hibbs. It was a, it's a two-part series a friend shared with me. I watched it. I don't necessarily agree with all the conclusions, but I do think that uh, The Days of Deception does a good job of connecting the dots on the issue, and at least, you know, Jack Hibbs, Pastor Jack is bold enough to talk about it. So as for today's report in the interest of time, I see the time we're going just a little long today because it's Friday the 13th and why the hell not? You know, uh, I, I want to circle back to the indoctrinated children and the government censorship. Okay. Because the two go hand in hand. Now, public education, which is the cornerstone of a cornerstone of communism, that's really censorship at its finest, right? It's telling kids what to focus on, what to think is important, what you know, what to think at all, and how to feel about things. Um, school kids are basically a captive audience, and and the, that video of the Palestinian kids, you know, talking about wanting to stab Jews and run them over with their cars—that's just it, it. Perfectly demonstrates it horrifically demonstrates how innocent children can literally be taught to believe anything, even to hate and to kill. You know, children can be indoctrinated into any religion. And, you know, the current generation, current crop of children has largely been indoctrinated. They've been programmed to believe that humanity is destroying the planet and that we need to give the government complete control over our lives so that they can reduce the human population in order to have a sustainable future. Kids believe it because they've been taught this. And they've also been taught to trust the science and the experts and the state. And they trust the science experts and the state with blind and unwavering faith. Because the science, the experts, and the, and the state, they alone know what's best for the rest of us. And of course, these kids have been taught that anyone who disagrees is a threat to peace and stability. Anyone who disagrees is a threat to a sustainable future. Or worse yet, those who disagree are a threat to global democracy. They're a threat to the planet. I mean, why not stab and run over people who are a threat to the planet, right? You see where I'm going with this, friends? As I've said repeatedly, you know, these kids are being conditioned to believe that we're a threat. And in time, these threats must be eliminated at least in the twisted minds of these indoctrinated youth and their globalist puppeteers. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing, okay? Adults can be programmed in the very same way, you know, say uh, via the neurolinguistic programming and the propaganda, the state censorship, psychological warfare. And the advent of AI and algorithmic social interventions, this is all rapidly accelerating the rate at which the masses can be induced into a collective coma, only to emerge reprogrammed once again. It's like hypnotism on a global scale. And hypnotism begins with an acute focus on a singular thing. Say like with COVID, or like what's happening with Israel right now. When everything else disappears... The mind is ripe for programming, which is why I have been railing against the singular narrative all week long. Do not get sucked into the tunnel vision. This is all part of a bigger plan. America has been slated for economic and cultural destruction, okay? The framework for American democracy, that's going to remain in place, but only to the extent it aligns with the dictates of the global globalists, uh, you know, the global democracy that's being disseminated from the UN 
WHO, WEF, etc. Right. So they want to destroy the economy, destroy our culture. But the American political establishment, they want to keep that in place as long as they're global players. And what's happening in the Middle East right now serves to advance this purpose in two ways. One, it causes Americans to fight amongst themselves. It stirs up bitter religious divisions that can only be resolved through violence and the day of rage. And two, it quite coyly pulls the American military into a war that it cannot possibly win, thereby stretching our defenses to the degree that they become inadequate and the homeland becomes vulnerable. It's a brilliant globalist strategy. So while all of this theater is playing out and everybody's distracted, you know, our enemies are licking their chops. The seeds are sown. You know, a massive solar flare might knock out the grid. But then again, it could be the uh, Chinese Communist Party's space-based weapon systems, you know. As the millions of free tests make their way into the population to begin to fuel the next pandemic, as the American political establishment continues to self-immolate in order to pave the way for a hung election and a civil war, what we can know for sure is there ain't no easy way out of this mess. There ain't no easy way out. Friends, in the end, it will come down to our local communities fighting against the global cabal, total global control. We need to talk to people about what's going on, share this report, help people see the bigger picture, tell them about the agenda, educate them on the intentional chaos. That way, when the aliens land, or the bombs drop, or the commies invade, or the jihadis strike, or the grid goes dark, they can't say they didn't see it coming, friends. And I'm sure they'll thank you later. And by the way, <laughs> don't forget that life is still good, friends, and that is the message of my heart for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, thetortureport.com, find the heart, click the heart, give me some love, subscribe if you have not subscribed already, and of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this Friday, this fantastic, fun, fantastic, fabulous Friday. Have a wonderful weekend, and I'll look forward to talking to you.